Welcome to the Strength, Love, and Healing Podcast. Grab a cup of coffee, find a nice place to sit, and join us while we listen to authors who strive to help others heal through love while building strength. Hi, welcome to Strength, Love, and Healing with Authors Alcove. I am your host, Angie Wolf. Today, I have Pamela Topchian. She is an ACHE board-certified hypnotherapist and author of I Didn't Come This Far to Only Come This Far. She provides virtual hypnotherapy sessions where you can find her on her website, hypnobreakthrough.com. You can also find her on YouTube as well. She has a little following there. Today, we will be talking about the impact of others' actions and words on our life and how self-discovery plays a part in our healing. And we will also talk about the healing power of hypnotherapy because that is her specialty. She'll be sharing her healing journey and how she learned that it is never too late to live and love your life. Thank you so much for joining us, Pamela. Can you just share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you so much. Well, you've kind of given it all away there. I'm <laughs> I'm in Northern California and I'm a former nurse and turned certified hypnotherapist in my 50s. I wrote a book about my whole life full of trauma, a total breakdown, and then coming back from that. So the intention is really to be an inspirational book to help people know that you know, it can get better, as cliche as that sounds, that it can and it does get better. And I'm living proof. <laughs> so I figured the first thing I was going to ask you about was, you know, you had mentioned that you had a major breakdown because a lot of our healing yeah. is backwards rather than from beginning to the end, which usually we work our way back. So right. what did you experience that made you realize that you needed to heal at the age of 50? I had just went through my second divorce and it was a an abusive marriage. And I just thought when I divorced my second husband, I thought, oh, good, everything's going to be great now. And I was nursing. So I had a good job. I was independent. I could take care of myself. And I thought, oh, great. I'm away from him. Everything will be wonderful now. And I just spiraled downward and became extremely fearful all the time anxiety ridden, you know, nightmares, night terrors, depression, suicidal even. And I just was so confused by that because I thought everything was great now. I left him, you know, but <laughs> I didn't realize at that time that the whole childhood, my whole life leading up to that second divorce was traumatic also. I didn't realize that you know, all these experiences in my life had been trauma inducing experiences. And once that one major one hit, and I didn't have to take care of anybody else but me, it was just like, okay, now we can have our breakdown. You know, it was like my body said, okay, now's the good time. We're going to do it. <laughs> What's interesting is so I had a similar circumstance that I didn't realize I was going through trauma until I had yeah. a breakdown as well. And yeah. I was 40, a little bit, I think it was 39, but close to 40. And what my counselor had said to me is that you, when you are in survival mode, your body, yeah. like, it's just like when you get in a, those people that get in a car accident and think everything is okay, because your body right. is making sure that everything is functioning as well as it can. And then as soon as it thinks you're safe, then it starts to, your heart starts to fail, your lungs start to fail. Yes. And then all of a sudden you start to break down. And the same thing with our mental health is while we're in yeah. survival mode, we're holding things together. But then the moment that we start to feel safe is when we start to break down. Cause that's what I said to her was, I was like, 
I don't understand. Like things are good now. And now I can't handle life. And she's like, well, that's because, and apparently that's a normal phenomenon. Yeah. And you know what it reminds me of is, you know, in the cartoons, and I don't know, you might be a little too young to know this because they're a little nicer in cartoons now. But I was but born you, in 81. So okay. you're good. So they used to like, you know, they would slam into something in the air. And then they would just be standing there like everything's okay. And then as soon as they noticed that they didn't have anything under them, or as soon as they noticed that they had slammed up against like a mountain, that's when they fell. It's like, as soon as they noticed, so they were like, okay, all's good. And then, oh, there's nothing under me. Then they fall. So it kind of reminds me of that, you know? <laughs> me and my husband grew up on Looney Tunes and he makes sure that yes. our daughters watch Looney Tunes <laughs> as well. So we get to see Wiley Coyote running off the thing and then being like, oh, there's nothing under me. Right, exactly. <laughs> so a little bit about your healing. How did therapy play a role? And did you know about hypnotherapy right away? So I did not know about hypnotherapy and really it's EMDR that I credit with saving my life. Really. I had had a big move. I thought, oh, I'm going to, you know, get on a bus and with a one-way ticket and move across the country and just, you know, maybe this will change everything and I'll be okay. Just a last ditch effort sort of to save my life there. But I still was just having the nightmares still very, depressed and anxious. And I thought, why am I, why am I so, I can't sleep. Why am I so anxious and fearful? I can't really function even after all of that. And so I thought I'm going to go to the doctor and get like anxiety medications or sleep medications or something. Now at this time I had been a nurse about I don't know, more than 10 years at that point. So my mind was thinking more medical at that point. And I went to the doctor and that's when they said, you need therapy, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, let's you know. Yes, we'll give you some medications, but we're also going to set you up for therapy. And when I went to therapy, I thought, I don't even know why I'm here. I was, <laughs> which is so crazy to think of now. But at the time I was like, I don't even know. So I had this abusive marriage I divorced, I left, and I can't sleep, and I'm fearful all the time. I don't know. That's all I know about it. You know, it's like I didn't know what to say. <laughs> but I remember being in the waiting room in that. I remember, like, even my body, uh, even the way I felt, and even my behavior, like, I was, like, always wringing my hands, and I was so scared to, like, sit near anybody and just was had to control my own breathing. And so I just remember just having that anxiety look about me, high anxiety. So, yeah. What ch changed from starting your therapy and writing your memoir? And what is your mission with your memoir? Yes. What changed is, so I started writing it because as I started going to the therapy, I couldn't really remember my life. And I was shocked to hear the therapist say that I had been through neglect in as a child. And I was shocked to hear that stuff that I had been through was really traumatic. I didn't, I didn't really think of it that way. You know, we grew up very poor. And I thought, well, these things that happened to me kind of happened to a lot of kids growing up in poverty. 
So I didn't really think of it that way. So I started writing everything down, almost like journaling. I didn't write the book expecting to publish it at first, but it really helped to connect the dots with everything, with how this turned into this and how this turned into this and how this turned into this and how it all made sense, how I led up to the life that I had led as an adult, even with, like I said, with two you know, toxic marriages and that the mission with the book. So then I started reading other memoirs when I was, I think I was done with therapy or, you know, I had been through therapy for a year, maybe just either just under or just over a year. And I started reading other memoirs of women and I really could relate with the way they felt like the stories might've been a little different, but I could really relate with them. And I didn't feel so alone And it made me feel better knowing that they had went on to live these lives of some of them did great things and others were just, you know, happy in their lives now. And even that was enough for me, made me feel good. So I decided I should publish mine as well. So the mission is to help people know that they can come out of it. And being that I was in my fifties, I thought a lot of women I know in my age group, Once they're in a point of depression or high anxiety, they kind of give up sometimes, you know, and it's not, and I shouldn't just say women, I'm sure it's men too, but they just sort of give up and be like, well, this is, I'm just depressed. I'm going to start drinking or, or I'm just going to hopefully get on disability or something sort of wait to die, really live with it. And um, I wanted people to know that life can get so much better And it's just amazing to me. Like, I think at the end of the book, so it was published in January of 21. At the end of the book, I was just amazed at how much I loved my life and loved myself. And I couldn't even imagine that it could be that good. And now it's even better being two years later. It's just so much better than I could have ever fathomed. And it's not that I have any kind of great, grandiose life or anything. It's just everything I do, I love. The people around me are wonderful people. I just love everything I do. And I would have never expected that somebody could feel the way I do, or and especially me. I just needed people to know that it's possible. (laughs) I love that. I love that a lot, actually. One of the things that you had talked about in your book, it was one of the earliest traumas that you had talked about that you didn't even, I don't think you realized at the time was a trauma was after your parents had divorced, your dad had left. And back then you pointed out that they didn't really hold fathers responsible for their actions. (laughs) Right. So- How do you feel that him leaving and then not really being an active part in your life affected you later down the road, not necessarily at the time, but as Mm -hmm. you got older? Throughout my life, and this is a big realization, even now it's still kind of, so he's passed away since 2007. So even now I keep thinking of things that really, him not being a part of my life really made a big difference, had a really negative impact. And So I think that not having seen a a good relationship, not having any kind of relationship with with a male in my life, really, with an authority figure, father figure, I really do believe that that's part of the reason for being involved in abusive relationships and, you know, toxic, abusive marriages and stuff. I really believe that that's a big part of that. Also, 
I was for my marriages. And as a teenager, I had been through some date rapes and things like that. And I really believe that had my father been in my life, I sort of maybe would have known to be more careful or more discerning when it came to boys and men in my life or, you know, even just around. Um, But one of the biggest things I think is that my mother, so she had to work several jobs. She was almost never around. And um, just that part of it alone meant that I had no supervision, nobody guiding me, no parental guidance, no supervision. And that kind of led me to situations that, you know, were harmful to me. And that goes back to my father not being helpful at all, whether financially or just not being there physically, even giving my mother a break or, you know, know, or us having time with him, us meaning me and my sisters having time with him. And so you also mentioned that your next time that you actually did see your dad was during another huge trauma when your Mm -hmm. sister passed away. But even more than that, you actually had a woman that had said something to you. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted you to share that story with me. And then, because it was something that I definitely could relate to. So my sister was killed in a car accident, my oldest sister. This was 1980 and she was 18 years old. And it was just two days before my 14th birthday. And so we got a call, we went to the hospital We knew at that time she was in an accident. I believe that she was already passed, but they didn't tell us that on the phone. We knew she was in critical condition. When we got to the hospital, so one of my mother's good friends drove us there. They wouldn't let my mother drive. Good thing, you know, but um, then I was sitting there with my mother's friend and we saw my mom and my dad. We saw my dad there and I was shocked to see him and... I don't know why I was shocked to see him. You know, that's his daughter, but I didn't expect that he would be there. Two things with the story, I'm not sure. So so they embraced actually and both cried and both of them fell apart. And it was just sort of really strange to see them embrace like that. But then the best friend pointed right at me when I'm 14 years old. She points right at me and she says, don't you cry. Don't you cry. You be strong for your mother. Don't you cry. And that just... Oh my gosh, that put me like in a shock. And like for days, like probably even a week after I was just like, so like in shock, like so stoic. And, and to this day, to this day, I, even though I know where it's from, I have trouble showing my emotions. I can say I can't cry, but I don't, I don't cry. And I know where it's from and I'm not, and I'm very comfortable with other people's emotions and I don't have, um, I'm not embarrassed by it or anything. It's just that was really deeply ingrained in me that don't you cry right in my face. So, yeah. I was told something similar, but it affected me a little differently. I find that with big things, I am completely cool, calm, and collected. I stay together. But then, like, if I spill my glass of water and I have to clean it up, mm. I will cry. And so like, it didn't stop me from crying because I'm a very emotional person, but I find that I don't necessarily show emotion at the appropriate times. I don't show when I'm actually feeling the really bad feelings. And that's something I've had to work through with a similar circumstance. Yeah. So you also have a website, hypnobreakthrough.com. And you said that self-discovery is a big part of healing. 
What was your journey with self-discovery and how do you help others to do that on your website or through your website? Yeah. So self-discovery really that goes to writing my book, going through and knowing my sort of where I came from within myself, not necessarily where I came from, my DNA and stuff, but my family. Who am I? What are my, what do I feel about this? How are my, what do I like? What do I don't like? What am I, what are my beliefs and my values and all of that when my whole life, that's another thing. I didn't really know myself at all. So I really believe that self-discovery, getting to know yourself from the inside out, mind, body, and soul, you know, getting to know who you are at the deepest levels is really healing. It's really helps you to live your fullest and best life, really. And so with hypnotherapy, that's, we help people to go within and listen to their inner guidance and their own inner voice. It's just really the, you know, the relaxing of the physical body to quiet the mind, the conscious mind, so that we can then talk to the subconscious mind and focus on whatever the issues are that the person is having in life, or even to find clarity within themselves, to find who they are within themselves. And not everybody is ready for that. And that's okay. And, you know, so some people want to try it, but they're not sure. And then nothing happens. But then they sort of have an idea and like seeds were planted, you know, and then later on in life, they may come back to it, or they may sort of have an aha moment or, you know, and you're like, oh, okay. Hypnotherapy can really work with the things that I had been through and you as well. You know, if somebody said something as a child, and we didn't know why we had these issues with our emotions, that will come up in hypnotherapy. You will be shown that as to why this is your issue. And you'll you know, and it'll be like waking up from a dream that's like, oh, okay, now I get it. But sometimes it takes a few sessions and sometimes it's like after the session and then like that night, you're like, oh, now I see, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's just so powerful. I love it so much. What brought you to start doing hypnotherapy? Yeah, so I had been a nurse, I don't know how many years, probably just about five years in or something, I had been a nurse and it was already feeling just extremely overwhelming and, you know, we were just overworked, never had enough resources, always working overtime, barely getting breaks, never had enough staff, never felt like I was doing good with you know, my patients. I never felt like I, I never left work feeling like I did a good job or I did all that I could or, or learned that I should be doing in nursing school. Never even had the opportunity to just do everything we needed to do. And so it was really always heartbreaking. So I started looking into more natural, holistic modalities. I found a school that had a program that gave you a bunch of almost like an intro to a bunch of different healing modalities, holistic healing modalities. And so I went there and that's where I found hypnotherapy and was just amazed at how the power that it had for people. So then I went down that road and took the love, different levels of that. And uh, I was still in that second marriage and I wasn't able to switch over from nursing to do that. So I just sort of kept it in my life a little bit here and there. 
friends, family, word of mouth, like a friend, a friend wanted to try to quit smoking or was having pain or something. It was kind of there throughout. And, and then when I worked in detox and recovery, I did some group hypnotherapy sessions. And that was really great to be able to do that within my nursing. So yeah, so that's where I started. That's how it started. And I also found that while I was doing it, I felt like I was getting as much from it as I was giving. And it was very fulfilling in both ways. Like I said, I felt like I was getting as much therapy as I was giving. And it was just, it's just so awesome. I knew that I was doing, it felt like I was doing good. It felt like I was really helping more so than I ever felt in my nursing. That's amazing. I'm yeah. so glad to hear that. That's probably what brought you to where you love the life you live. Yeah. So yeah. If, if someone wants to work with you, how can they contact you and what are all the services that you provide? They could go to the website and that's, as you've mentioned, hypnobreakthrough.com. And there is a contact form on there, or there's the email of, you know, Pamela at hypnobreakthrough.com. So the services I offer is really, it's basically just hypnotherapy, but also along with hypnotherapy, there's coaching. I just now, like yesterday, I was able to upgrade my certification through a more education that I've been taking um, to hypnotic coach. So I'm doing life coaching and spiritual coaching along with the hypnotherapy. So that's not even on my website right now. <laughs> I just I just found that out yesterday that I am going to be able to do that with the education I've been doing for a year and a half. I've been doing more, you know, education. So yeah, that's what that's wonderful. So we're going to just kind of shift back to your book. Yeah. So what do you hope people most get out of your memoir? Well, like I've already said, I just hope that they know that it can get better, that whatever they're going through and whatever they have been through in their life, no matter how long it's been, no matter how old they are, that it can get better, that it's possible to live a life that you love. I mean, it just sounds so cliche, but dang, it's so true, you know, <laughs> you know, you can love your life. Well, I just want to thank you so much for being on my podcast, but I did want to ask you just one more question. And that normally on my other one, Authors Alcove, I always ask, what is one piece of advice you'd give to aspiring authors? But I, because your book was a memoir and it was about healing, what is one piece of advice you would give somebody who has gone through trauma in their life, whether it's childhood trauma or adult trauma? What was one piece of advice you'd give to them? Definitely seek help. Don't try to just go through it on your own. And to know that whatever works for your friend, your family might not work for you. Have some patience and perseverance and stick with it till you find something. There's so many different types of healing modalities, anything from psychotherapy to Reiki and hypnotherapy and, you know, everything in between. There's all kinds of different ways to help yourself. So just don't give up on yourself. So what does it mean to you? Because you said that you now love the life that you live. What does it mean mm -hmm. to you to live a life you truly love? It means that uh, I don't do anything that I don't love doing. It means that I'm living my own life for me. Thank you very much. And I just want to thank you one last time so much for just taking time to talk on my podcast. I truly appreciate you taking that time. Oh, for those, you. You're welcome. For those who would like to purchase her book, you can purchase it from the link in my show notes. You can also check out her website, hypnobreakthrough.com. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. 
thank you so much for listening to the Strength, Love, and Healing podcast with Authors Alcove. If you have written a book that could help others heal and would like to be a guest on our show, please go to the authorsalcove.com to sign up. You can click on the podcast tab and it, click on Be a Guest. We always appreciate everyone who listens all the way to the end, especially if you could like, subscribe, and rate this particular podcast that would really help us be able to reach more people also our sister podcast authors alcove is over on spotify and apple podcast you can listen to that where we talk with a lot of different writers about their writing process and their current books again thank you very much hope you have a great day god bless